Wow. Baby day, and we get to hear Jasmine sing for the first time. She's been here for years. What a voice. What a, what a, what a story, you know? And I got to say, I think all of us would say this, I'm sure. Uh, how proud I am of you, Jasmine, for uh, sharing your story, for the courage it takes sometimes, even if you feel like I'm doing better right now, you know? It still takes a lot of courage to tell your story uh, to people who don't know and to stand up in public and say, here are some of the painful, difficult things that I have gone through in places I'm healing. My gosh, I don't know a more courageous human act than that, honestly. Uh, in fact, I think I need to revise something I said a little earlier when I came up here um, to pray. I said to the parents that the most important work you'll do is the investment you make in these children. Maybe we ought to rewind that and say, the most important work you'll do is surrendering to Jesus so that he heals you, so you're capable of making an investment in these children. Amen? Amen. Yeah, because our most important work is to say, yes, I will. I'm here. I hear you. I submit my life to you. Heal me. Meet me where I need you most. Because when we're whole, when we're healing at least, we can make the investment that these kids need so badly. So uh, what a special treat for us. Uh, baby day, Jasmine. That just makes my day, if those babies hadn't already done it, that's for sure. Well, listen, we are uh, wrapping up a series today. We've been actually talking for um, uh, the last three weeks about some principles of financial management. We simply called it ABC, and uh, we started with the letter A, and we said the first challenge we have when it comes to managing our money is our perspective. It's just our attitude about it. And we said, most of the time, our default settings are either worry or want. Like, I'm either worried to death I won't have enough, or I just want more no matter how much I have. And we, we asked, what if we had an imagination to trust God and say, God, whatever you put in my hands, I'm going to see it as a good gift from you. I'm going to manage it for you and your kingdom the best I can. I'm thankful I get to enjoy it while I do. If we could shift our thinking, first of all, it might change everything. That was the letter A for attitude. Last week, Jeremiah talked to us about the letter B. Uh, we called it bondage, but after I heard his sermon, I left and thought we should have named it breakup instead. Because if you were here, you know, he said we ought to break up with our money, our love affair with it, and just be friends. And it was really a great challenge because he asked us, what if, um, what if we could foster contentment instead? Wouldn't it be a beautiful thing in life to figure out how to be content in whatever stage, kind of what Jasmine just said, just to be present in this moment, I'll be content in this moment, and would that be a game changer? And uh, I think it probably would. So every week we've talked about the C word, the word I get to talk about today, A, B, C, attitude, bondage, today is choice. What kind of choices do I get to make? And I love this word. It is an amazing thing that every one of us in here has the power of choice. We get to choose what kind of a life we're going to live, what kind of a human we're going to be. We get to choose, like Jasmine, am I going to heal? Am I going to move towards God in some healing way? And I think this is the best reason to tackle anything in our lives, is what kind of human do I want to be? Isn't that a great question? It's what we give ourselves to around here in every phase of life. Now, when it comes to today's subject, we've been saying this isn't rocket science. It's actually elementary, but it's difficult to put into play. 
which is why we've been talking about it. So let me just build a little case for that if I could. I was reading an article a couple of weeks ago, the week that I was working on this message, and I read some statistics about how we Americans handle our finances. Let me just share some of them with you. Some of them may hit a little close to home, but let me share them with you, all right? But before I do that, let me offer a quick disclaimer. One of the challenges with this subject is that not everybody is on equal playing field. Not everybody is in the exact same boat. There are genuinely people in our society, and some of them may be you, maybe you online, who struggle in some way with finances in ways that are beyond your control, at least at the moment, or how you got there may not have been your choice in the beginning, and you're still struggling from bad decisions that somebody else has made or some system that you're caught in that's been difficult to break out of. And for those things, we really do care deeply. And I want to acknowledge that. And I want to say nothing that we're saying today or in this series would we want to be perceived by you as something to bring additional shame or hurt or burden in your life. Jesus comes to relieve our burdens, not to add to them. In fact, one of our callings as a church, we think, is to be a blessing in our world in such a way that it helps relieve burdens that people are feeling that they couldn't help. And so if that's you... Um, please understand that some of what I'm saying today may not apply to you right at the moment, okay? And we truly get that. In fact, it's our desire to help you. For most of us, however, I don't want to weaken what you're about to hear because this is a real challenge for sure for most of us. Most of us have more means than we manage well. And that's where these statistics in this article play out. So don't raise your hand on any of these, okay? Because they might hit close to home. But let me show them to you real quickly. Jackson, help me out here. Nearly 70% of Americans have less than $1,000 in savings. 25% of Americans have no savings at all. The average U.S. household owes over $7,000 on credit cards. The average household. 40% of Americans spend up to half the income, the paycheck, just servicing the debt. In other words, half the money we're bringing in is paying for stuff we already bought with apparently money we don't have. And less than a third of Americans even have a budget, even have a spending plan to tell their money where it's going to go. As I was reading this, I thought, this is why we have to talk about this. It's why we're talking about it during this week that we've been emphasizing family life, because we know that money issues are the number one source of conflict in every single marriage. We know that this is a tremendous strain and stress on families, the financial reality that we live in and the choices we make and where we struggle to make those choices well. In fact, as I was reading this, here's what the author of the article wrote. Money remains one of the least discussed topics of conversation in our society. We have been conditioned, it seems, from a young age to not talk about it. And as a result, we often go it alone, hoping our own judgment will serve us well in our personal financial decisions. Catch the sentence. However, our silence is ruining us. Not having this conversation is negatively affecting us as persons, as families, and as a society. And when I read that, I thought, that is exactly why we talk about this. Every couple of years or so, we dust the subject off, and we renew it, and we remind ourselves of some things, because somebody's got to talk about this. Somebody has to be able to talk about this subject, and God talks about it in ways that help us, and we can't afford not to talk about it, because too much is at stake for people in this room right now. So, let's talk about choice. 
Uh, speaking of choice, how many of you have ever played the game Would You Rather? Anybody know the game we're talking about? Yeah, we're, okay, five of you. Five of you are going to be all ready for this thing because we're going to play for a couple of minutes, all right? Here's how Would You Rather goes. In case you've never heard it, I get to introduce you to your favorite summer road trip game for vacation season. Here we go. I'm going to give you two options, an A or a B, and then you just basically all holler out which one of the two options you prefer, okay? I'm going to make this really easy for all of us since you're very unpracticed, apparently. So um, would you rather be happy or sad? Would you rather be smart or stupid? <laughs> Some of you are out of luck, apparently. Would you rather be <laughs> soft, sorry. Would you rather be loved or hated? Would you rather be generous or stingy? Of course. So those are softball questions, right? Everybody kind of knows. Nobody in here says, I'd like to be sad and stupid and stingy. I mean, that's my live stream. Nobody signs up for that one, right? So we already know what this is like. So when it comes to the choices we get to make, what I wonder is, when we say we want something good, like the last one, I want to be generous, not stingy. When we say, well, God probably wants that for us too. Why do we so infrequently get the things we want and God wants? It probably has something to do with the choices that we're making in life. And so I just want to throw this out at you for a couple of moments, and I'm going to use that generosity piece just as a way for us to think through this grid, all right? I want to be generous. God wants me to be generous. Why do I find myself not being all that generous? Well, maybe it's my circumstances. Maybe I think we get past this little tough chapter we're in right now, it'll be better. Maybe I say it's my income. If I just had that raise or if I just made as much as they did, of course I'm going to be generous when we get to that stage. But what I want to present to you is it's possible the real problem is something else. That maybe the economy could just be booming along, I could get the pay raise, all the things in my life that are crazy right now could all get worked out, and I might still struggle with my choices. When you think about the ways you could be generous and the things we like to see get done in our world, they're myriad. I can, I can give some money to someone who is under-resourced or poor, as we talked about a moment ago. People who don't have nearly the choices I have about how their, their life's playing out. I could help give them a leg up. I could help them maybe break out of the, out of the system that they're caught in. Uh, I could do an act of kindness in the moment for a stranger. I could donate some of my time to help somebody out. Yes, of course, I could give to my church that helps invest in families and so forth. There are all kinds of ways to do this. But why do I do that? Why do I want to be generous? I'm going to give you three options real quickly that probably describe us most of the time. I could give for the rewards of giving, okay? I could bless somebody for the reward of doing it. You ever bought somebody a present? Let's just go with this. You bought them a present or you did something unexpected. You showed up and you mowed their grass or you, you brought them coffee at work in the morning because you stopped on the way in and knew you'd be two minutes late, but you brought them their favorite coffee anyway. You ever done one of those kinds of things? And when you presented it to them, you expected them to go, oh my gosh, thank you so much for thinking of me. And all they say is like, thanks. You ever had a moment like that? And you think, come on, give me something. You know, I mean, I thought of you. I, did so, I went out of my way to make this happen. All I gave was like, thanks, all right. I was expecting like amazement or whatever. See, we like the reward, don't we? And that's okay. I mean, sometimes maybe we do something like that to repair a relational bridge or to maybe just look good or improve somebody else's opinion of us. Or if nothing else, who doesn't like the little warm feeling you get inside whenever somebody 
enjoy something special you do for them. We all like that. And again, that's okay. The Bible says that's a very rewarding way to live your one and only life. Look, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. There's something rewarding about being generous. That's good. Give for the rewards. However, maybe there's something better. What if I could give for the results? Maybe I give because I do want to give a child a better story. That's one of our themes around here a lot. I give because I do want to bless somebody where I live or work or learn or play. I give or do something generous for someone because I do want somebody else to know what it looks like to live in love like Jesus. And I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in their world. I want them to see Jesus with skin on. And so I give for those results. I give because I know we're going to bless a bunch of families and we're going to make an investment in their lives and we're going to rally for the poor and so forth. I give because I'm going to get a letter from Shadrach, my little compassion child in Tanzania. I got another letter from him this past week. And I give because I'm going to open that letter. I'm going to see his picture, and I'm going to know I'm making a difference in his life. And somebody from his church is going to tell me how my gift is changing his daily life in the, in the poverty in which he is growing up. And I love that reward. Amen? Nothing wrong with giving for these rewards. We want our giving to make a difference. So results, no, not, not wrong. Rewards, not wrong. What if there's an even better reason? What if I could just give regardless? Here's what Jesus says about our good father. He gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. I love that, that description. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, just ask God. He gives it generously to all without finding fault. It'll be given to you. If you listen in on Jesus in the New Testament, he tells story after story about the kingdom of God, and he keeps telling us that God is like, he's like an employer who gives people a bunch of money they didn't really earn just because he wanted to. Like he gave them more than they thought they were hiring in for just to bless them. He's like a father who throws a party for a wild son who shamed the family name and spent half the family inheritance. When the kid comes home, God's like a dad who throws a party to welcome the kid back. He just gives regardless. This is the kind of God that he is, which kind of brings us back full circle to this choice that I presented to you a few moments ago. What kind of human do I want to be? What kind of life do I want to live? Is there a way to practice right now so that I have a better chance of becoming that person five or 10 or 15 or 20 years from now? If I want to live and love like Jesus, if I want to be what we sometimes call godly, like God, how could I practice that? Here's what's not going to happen. I am never going to know everything there is to know. I am never going to be everywhere there is to be. I'm never going to have all the power there is to have. I will never be like God in those ways. But there is a way that I can be like God, and that is to become a generous person from the inside out. I'm just indiscriminately generous. I just want to bless people, whether it's for results or reward. It's not like I ignore those things, not like I pretend I don't care about those things, but I want to be the kind of person who would just give regardless the default setting, my friends, listen to me, the default setting for your human life, if you pay attention to our culture and society, will probably be greed or it might be fear. Oh my gosh, I'm always scared about money. We're always worried about money. Or, oh my gosh, we always want more. We want more. We want more. What, what can we do with more? Those are the defaults. You don't have to go there. 
You don't have to live like that. That can be a prison over time, my friends. And if we're not careful when that's what we practice, we don't even notice that somewhere along the way we became tight-fisted, sort of selfish, small little people instead of the big-hearted, open-handed, generous people we thought we were going to become. And the big difference is we didn't choose very well. Jesus says, give as freely as you have received. The Apostle Paul tells us how freely we received. He says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich, but for your sakes he became poor so that by his poverty you might become what? Rich. How beautiful is that? Listen, everybody listen to me for a moment. Tell you a story in a second and we're gone, okay? What if I became the kind of person who would give to others like God's given to me? What if I would become the kind of person who would say, I am in awe of how blessed I am in so many ways. I just can't wait to bless somebody else like that. I want to be like the God who blesses me. What if I could? I think we could. And I think it's a matter of choosing what we practice. The story is about a wealthy man. He got up and he shared his story with his church, kind of like what Jasmine shared with ours today. But his was a, about how he became a multimillionaire. He says, I'm a multimillionaire and I'm going to attribute it all to the blessing of God in my life. I remember when I made my first dollar as a businessman. And I went to church that night, and I listened to a missionary talk about his work, and then he asked for funding, and I realized I've got one dollar in my pocket. That means if I'm going to help out and give something, I'm either going to give all of it or I'm going to give nothing at all. What, I'm, what am I going to do? And then he decided he would in that moment give the dollar, which was everything he had, to God. And he says, I think God blessed that decision, and that's why I am a multimillionaire today. And he goes back and he sits down, and in a moment like that, you know, it's like, what do you say? So the whole church is really quiet. And just as he's sitting down in his seat, the little old lady next to him leaned over and she says, I dare you to do it again. Oh, little old ladies are so gutsy. Um, and so, so first of all, a couple of things from the story. First of all, I think he probably has a real twisted sense of how this stuff works, you know? At least, because I, I don't think it actually works like that. I'm going to do this, and then God's going to, you know, do this. I mean, there's, like, it's really messed up really, really fast, right? And we've all heard those kinds of sort of twisted versions of how things work. But I think the saddest part is somewhere he gave, he thought, I'm just going to give for the reward I get out of it. And he got stuck at that level instead of realizing I could give to make a difference. I could just give regardless. I could just give because I want to be the kind of person who's generous instead of I'm doing this in response to what I'm going to get back. And so I'm going to channel my inner little old lady for a minute and leave you with a challenge. All right? Here's the challenge I'm going to send you. If you want to practice this week, I'm going to give you a dare. I'm going to dare you to just give like God. Like anytime you give, anytime you bless somebody, you give your time, your money, your resources, whether that's here or whether that's out in the community, it's somebody that you work with, it's a family member in need, it's a child like Shadrach in Tanzania or wherever it is that you bless somebody, be conscious of this. I'm just going to give because I want to be the kind of person who would give. Like, I want to become that person. By the time I'm an old man and dying, I just want to be so big-hearted and generous as I can possibly be. I better start practicing now. That's my 
choice. Not because I have to, not because I ought to, but because I want to. (laughs) I want to be that kind of a person. So here's your dare. I challenge you this week to look for the opportunity in the next seven days to be generous in some way that you don't think you will get rewards or recognition or even results like this week. You know what I mean? Like you could bless somebody, maybe you do it in secret, maybe you realize nobody's ever going to know except that person, but I'm not going to do this because it's going to change the world necessarily this week. I'm not going to do it because they're going to fall down and worship me. I'm just going to do it because I want to be the kind of person who does stuff like that. That's your dare. This week, seven days, find some place to do something generous, time, money, resources, whatever it is, that would bless somebody else, and you're not going to get anything back except practice. Everybody got it? You're just practicing. That's all I'm going to do. I'm going to practice giving like God, okay? And understand that uh, that's a beautiful way to live. Listen, friends. We are invited to live in a kingdom of love starting now. You don't have to die and go to heaven to do this. You can actually start right now. And the way it starts is when we begin practicing the kind of person we want to be. We have a king who is so generous and so amazing and so good. When we go out and live out his generosity through our hands and feet, that's what it changes the world. And every one of us gets that choice. Attitude. Breakup and choice. ABC. Elementary. It could change your life. It could truly change your life to begin to live in that way. All right, I'm going to end with this. We have time. My dad, uh, who's actually with us back here today, uh, writes poetry and songs, in case you didn't know that. So he, um, if you meet him on the road in his little roofing truck, he'll never wave at you, so don't take offense to it. (laughs) He doesn't wave at me either, so... (laughs) (laughs) The other day, I was driving past uh, Craig and Leslie in Farmington after the Farmington service, and I missed it until they were already passed, and I'm like, oh, that was Craig and Leslie. So I texted them, and I got to the, I was headed to the car wash. I pulled over at the car wash, and I'm like, hey, by the way, uh, just saw you. Sorry I didn't wave. My goal in life is to be as clueless as my dad on the road, and right now I'm killing it. You know, so anyway, my, my dad doesn't wave at you. But what he does do while he's driving in that little truck is he writes poetry and songs, and then when he gets somewhere, he stops and writes them all in a notebook. And I think I've shared one or two before. Um, and so I did tell him, I didn't tell him I was going to share it. I just asked him to bring me this poem and told him, I might, I don't know, so I'm going to. Um, if I can read it. Uh, his handwriting is only slightly better than mine. Um, This poem, I don't know how many years ago he wrote it, but it's called The Money Hugger. And whenever I read it again, I thought, oh my gosh, that so sums up this whole thing we're talking about. So I'll just share it with you for whatever it's worth. You can take it out with you, right? The Money Hugger. It was a little strange. Yes, I thought, quite strange, a grown man on the street corner hugging his money. I walked up to him, and as I drew near, I saw in his face an expression of fear, and I told him of a place where we could store treasure that's real, where neither thieves nor robbers could break through and steal. He said, I know nothing at all that could be above it. It gives me everything I want. I love it. I love it. I just love it. And in my dream, I saw him then in great agony and pain, his money turning into water, running down the street into the drain. He struggled to hold it, but it ran through his grasp, and as the last washed away, he stood there penniless. Oh, he wept and he cried as he stood there alone, for the thing he had trusted in a moment was gone. 
And my heart ached for him as I saw him there, just totally broken in bitter despair. Then down on life's road, I saw him again. This man on that street corner with money in his hand. I was so taken, it was a wonder indeed, he was giving out money to those who had need. And as I came near on his face, I saw an expression of joy, worry, and fear had been replaced. And I said, sir, where have you been? How can this be? What caused this change that I see? And he said, I was looking for life filled with getting and getting, and then God showed me this truth. There's more blessing in giving. So I've turned from that way of trouble and strife, and now I'm having, well, I'm just having the time of my life. The money hugger. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> yeah, that's a great poem. <laughs> I think that illustrates the choice that I'm talking about, is to say when our perspective, our attitude changes, when we break up with our love affair, and then when we realize, I have a choice about what kind of person I'm going to become, you put it all together, you get a poem like that, and we could have saved you about an hour's worth of sermons in the last three weeks. <laughs> well, I just would have read that on Mother's Day. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for, um, for being here today. Thank you for all of you, uh, family and friends who've joined us, especially for Baby Day, for all the little babies and uh, all the extra noise they bring into your lives and to ours, okay? That just comes with a package and we wouldn't have it any other way. And we're so grateful that we get to share life with you in this family, in this family called Meadow Heights Church. Our prayers are with you. Um, our hearts are for you. And we'll always be here to help in any way that we can. And uh, I want you to stand to your feet right now before we go. Everybody stand. My friends, 9 o'clock next week, we'll be here for breakfast. Between now and then, you have 167 hours to take up my little old lady dare. <laughs> Find somebody you can bless, give to, be generous with, some cause or whatever. No results necessarily right off the bat. No reward that you could name on the front end. Just say, I'm going to practice being like God in this way. And we'll see what happens, all right? I love you. You go live and love like Jesus. You're dismissed.